0: Adrift in the great void of space, the personnel on Moonbase Alpha have experienced so much that is strange and inexplicable. They have become accustomed to expecting the unexpected. Paul, did you hear that? Hear what? I don't hear anything unusual. Welcome to the audio handbook of the Marvel Universe, a character-by-character look at the coolest heroes and villains that Marvel Comics has to offer. You can thank us later. For now, just listen. All right, Cool Breeze, we are back for another exciting episode of the Audio Handbook of the Marvel Universe. The show in which we take a look at some of the coolest heroes and villains that Marvel Comics has to offer through the lens of the seminal 1980s comic book guide, The Handbook of the Marvel Universe. Let me, uh, let me light that incense. Let me bang that gong. Let me, let me get ready for the Prince of Darkness himself. Count Dracula. You're listening to Icy Robots Radio. So kids, we are back. This is, this is the main crux of the show, the audio handbook of the Marvel Universe, where we use the seminal 1980s Marvel comic guide, known as the Handbook of the Marvel Universe, to take a in-depth look at some of the dudes who are out there that are worth looking at. And this week, we have a spooky, wookie, spectacular about Marvel Comics' Count Dracula. Count Dracula has been, he has been a mainstay of the Marvel Universe. Marvel has had great success using public domain type characters, such as the Greek gods Hercules has been an Avenger, and Ares Ares has been an Avenger, and of course, you know, you got the Norse gods like Thor and Odin, and then other, other public domain style characters such as, uh, Frankenstein, the mummy, the werewolf, zombies, and of course, the subject of this episode, Count Dracula. Dracula is, of course, the famous Count Dracula, Vlad Tepes himself, and he appears in the guide, I only have the really big guide, I don't have, I don't have the issue with Dracula himself, but he appears between Dormammu, who was, he was the villain in the Doctor Strange movie, he's like, he's like the giant face and then on the other side, you have a page about alien races that includes the Dire Wraiths and the Druffs. The Druffs are weird looking. They are, they are small and all, uh, all fuzzy with a, with a weird face. What a name, the Druff. Let's see. The Druff are, they were actually taken over and conquered by the Skrulls. So, sucks to be a Druff, huh? Mm. It says right here that the Druffs are timid creatures with no more than a childlike intelligence and are easily tyrannized by the Skrulls. So, those Skrulls are creeps. We knew that all along. You can't, you can't trust a Skrull. The problem is you don't know who the Skrulls are. So, kind of, I don't know, man, creates paranoia. You can't, can't trust anybody. That's what happened in that whole, uh, secret invasion gimmick. Let's get into some of the pertinence for the mysterious Lord of the Vampires. Dracula's real name is Vlad Tepes Dracula. Occupation is that of a nobleman, that is a that is a fop of a career if I ever heard one. His legal status is that of a Transylvanian citizen who has been presumed dead. So he has he has pretty much a clear identity. He can go out there and he can do what he wants. His identity is publicly known. Though generally disbelieved, his current identity is the Lord of the Vampires and his former alias is Vlad the Impaler. He was born in Shoshberg, Transylvania, which is now in Romania. He is married and he has he has a few known relatives. There was Vlad Dracul, who is his father. His mother's name was Maria. He uh, has a son named Vlad Tepulis. A daughter named Lilith, a wife he was separated from named Domini, a son named Jonas who was unborn, stillborn, super sad. I don't, don't know why they put that in here. And Radu Dracula, the the brother of Dracula himself, Radu Dracula. There are probably some interesting stories out there to be told about the dude who is he's the brother of Dracula. He didn't he didn't go into his brother's business, the business of a professional blood drainage. He's into He's into, you know, normal stuff, construction, handyman stuff around the house, that kind of thing. But having the, uh, having the Dracula name on the side of the truck does not help as much as you would expect. He kind of went with, like, the spooky Dracula motif for the, uh, construction business. And it just did not take off like he thought it would. I see him, like, in a black and maybe orange truck van, rather, with some kind of a logo on the side, like a spooky... Dracula logo, like, Rudy in smaller letters, but, like, Dracula in, like, spooky, maybe, like, dripping blood red letters, and then a logo that's, like, like, some kind of vampire teeth. He he thinks he's playing off the family name, and he is, and this is probably the best thing he could do, but people aren't too keen on hiring him because they just... They don't know if he is also like a vampire. They're not really sure, and if you're not sure if somebody's a vampire or not, it may, it may not be worth the risk to uh let them in your house because you know how it is. Once you invite a vampire in, they can always come in. But if you don't ever invite them in, they gotta stay out. Let's let's get back to good old uh, Count Count Dracula. Dracula is not affiliated with any groups. He operates out of Transylvania. Of course he does. And he first appeared in Tomb of Dracula, number one. We'll talk about that toward the end of the show. Let's, let's take a quick peek at his origin. Vlad Dracula was born in 1430, the son of a Transylvanian nobleman. While still in adolescence, he was embroiled in the war against the Turks, but emerged from it with not only a practical knowledge of warfare, But a classical education as well. So this guy, being a nobleman, was pushed, like, right into an officer candidacy school, I would imagine. And while other dudes were out there getting shot with muskets or, like, run through with spears or whatever, whatever they were using, having boiling oil poured on them, tar. I don't know. I don't know what dudes did back then. But while dudes were out there doing that, he was, he was probably off at the military academy learning learning strategies, moving pieces around a big map, that kind of thing, drinking tea, reading books, but it's all good in the hood. Let's get back to the, uh, let me move the guide. Let me move the guide in this direction. This is a big book. This is a big paperback book. When he was about 30, he was felled in battle by a Turkish warlord named Tarak, who took him to a gypsy, Leanda, to be healed. Leanda was a vampire, and in her care, Dracula became one as well. Dracula soon confronted Nimrod I, Lord of the Vampires, and he defeated him, earning for the first time leadership over the undead. He expelled the Turks from Transylvanian borders, and then Dracula set up a kingdom ruled totally by fear of vampires. This is... This is when the story starts to get interesting, and I feel like they may be, uh, glossing over bunch of different things here. So, he becomes a military leader, and then in battle, he gets, he gets attacked by one of his own dudes who mistakes him for a Turk. They, they hate these Turks, and what he does is, he takes him to a, uh, a nurse, or a doctor, a healer, a shaman, in the, uh, in the Transylvanian village, but it turns out this lady, this lady is a vampire, and the only way she could heal our boy, the nobleman fop warrior, uh, Dracula, she bites him, turns him into one, it, it's a bit, it's a bit different, but, but it works if it if it came down to it, and this is me, this is real talk. if it came down to it, and they're like, "I see robots, you know this is it, you're gonna die unless unless we turn you into a vampire i'm I'm gonna become a vampire dude i don't I'm not ready, not ready to exit this plane just uh just quite yet when you see vampire fiction or vampire stories the the vampires are hesitant to turn people they're hesitant to turn their friends because. They don't want them to. They don't want them to lead the sad life of a vampire that they've had. And when I see this, I always think, just because your experiences are one way does not necessarily mean that my experiences will be the same way. Just because you're a miserable dude who has a miserable time being immortal, being a vampire, doesn't mean that... Doesn't mean that I will... I'm not saying that I want to become one, but I think that if I did become one, I would make the best of it. The the downside is you can't go out during the day. That's okay. I would just... I would just go out at night. I would go move to somewhere with a better nightlife than here, and I would just... I would live at night. Is this... Is this so bad, living at night, that you're supposed to end your life instead of do it? I... I think that's weird, because a lot of people work at night, and they may not be necessarily as ecstatic as the people who work during the day, per se, but they lead fulfilling lives. They just, they work at night. It's not a big deal. Some people uh, work at night, some people work during the day. It's not, it's not worth giving up your life over, but then he becomes a vampire, and this guy, he, he has a thirst for power. He has a thirst for blood blood. And a thirst for power. So he goes after this dingleberry named Nimrod. The leader of all the vampires is named Nimrod. And he he takes this fool out and he becomes the leader of the vampires. And the first thing he does is he throws all the Turks out of the country. He just straight up performs some kind of racism. Some kind of ism. And I would not be surprised if... Wouldn't be surprised if there was some genocide involved in here. This guy is not, not the best dude we've ever met. So... He's just, he's evil from the start. He gets to power, first thing he does, kills some other guy, becomes a beast. Second thing he does, throws a bunch of innocent people out. The next thing he does after that, he makes everybody in his country bow down and fear his vampire power. Not a cool guy if you ask me. Not, not one of history's great men. Let us continue on in the tale of Dracula. Eventually, Dracula was seized with wanderlust and began over the next few centuries to explore and depredate Europe and eventually America. It was around the mid-1550s when Dracula met death for the first time at the hands of Puritan adventurer Solomon Kane. Eventually revived by his followers, Dracula continued his vampiric life up until the present day, interrupted only by short periods of death when his enemies succeed in killing him." Killings in quotes. Thanks to the popularity of the novel by Bram Stoker based on true events that occurred in 1890, the general populace believed Dracula in all vampires. To be fictitious. That's like that gimmick from, uh, Usual Suspects, where they're like, the best thing the devil ever did was convince people he wasn't real. That's what, that's what that book did for Dracula. Good job, Bram Stoker. You probably led to the death of, like, tons and tons of dudes, because there would be, there would be more active vampire hunters out there than just, like, Solomon Kane and, uh, Abigail Whistler and Blade, if... If people knew that this was a real problem, thanks, man. You you suppressed all of the evidence. So Dracula dies. Like people run him through with a stake, and then they throw him back into his coffin and go, "That's it for him." But then eventually, like his followers, the people who were way into him, I imagine these are like these are like goth kids and stuff like that. These fools who were all into Dracula, they go, they find him, they dig him up, pull the stake out, and there you go. Dracula's back to life. Let me. Let me grab the guide here because the powers of Dracula. This is, this is the most fascinatingly interesting part to me. I love how, I love how they go and they quantify something like the, the actual powers and what it takes to, what it takes to become a vampire. Let's see. Dracula is six foot five, two twenty. He's tall, very tall and lean. His eyes are red and his hair is black that is, one tall spooky drink of water. As a vampire, Dracula possesses a host of supernatural powers of a mystic nature. Vampirism is a disease whose supernatural origin is not known, which causes those stricken with it to die, and after death become physically transformed into pseudo-living creatures who need the blood of others to sustain its existence. The bite of a vampire, the means by which most vampires procure fresh blood, deposits an enzyme found in the vampire's saliva in the bloodstream of the victim. If the vampire draws enough blood to cause the victim to die, the enzyme triggers a metabolic change in the victim's body, beginning with the production of a greenish liquid called ichor in the bloodstream. In approximately three days, there is sufficient ichor to nourish the victim's vital organs in the same manner that blood once did. The victim Now a vampire, him or herself, is capable of all the basic functions of life except for procreation, that's not... that's not how they do it, they do it by biting. Plus a number of other supernatural feats such as transforming into a bat. If the victim's blood loss is not severe enough to cause death, the victim will show signs of anemia because of effects of the enzyme in his or her blood, but they will not die. Until the enzyme is fully metabolized, which can take anywhere from two weeks to several months, the victim will be weak and sickly, as well as susceptible to any of the vampire's commands. So, they can like they can bite on you and draw some blood and put the ichor into you, and the ichor will cause you to be weak and almost zombie-like to the uh, the suggestions of your vampire master. Virtually all vampires are able to mystically transform themselves into bats within the first night of vampiric life. Virtually all vampires are able to mesmerize human beings through eye contact within the first month or so. Most vampires gain superhuman strength anywhere from 10 to 20 times their normal mortal strength. Dracula has mastered certain other vampiric disciplines over his 500 years of life. He's able to summon thunderstorms, although the mystical concentration does leave him quite drained. He can summon and control certain wild creatures like bats, wolves, and rats, as well as mystically transform into somewhat semblances of them. He is able to transform himself at will into mist, which makes him invulnerable to all projectiles, and Dracula also possesses sufficient powers of mesmerism that he can make any lesser mind his slave. He only needs to catch their gaze three seconds. Let's quickly dip into some of the weaknesses of Dracula and some of the ways we can merc him if uh, if we have to. Vampires have several limitations upon their supernatural powers and existence. The first is their all-consuming craving for blood. Unless a vampire drinks approximately one quart of fresh blood every night, it will weaken and perish. Some vampires of greater power, like Dracula, are able to resist their bloodlust for greater periods of time, sometimes up to a week. Vampires cannot travel for more than 100 miles from the place they were born unless they have taken along at least one pound of their native soil. So that's interesting to me, where you were born, not where you were turned, where you were born. So for me, I was born in Illinois, so I'd have to have some like Illinois dirt, even though I haven't, I haven't been there for a long time. Due to the vampire's altered metabolism, sunlight causes the icor to congeal in the vampire's veins and the skin will rapidly decay. Direct exposure causes a vampire to completely dehydrate and turn to powder. Vampires have a mystical aversion to garlic. The wearing of at least one clove around one's neck is sufficient to ward off a vampire. Vampires also have an aversion to any religious artifacts such as a cross, a star, holy water, etc., wielded or placed by anyone who believes in the spirit that the object signifies. So, you have to believe. You can't just you can't just stick a cross in vampire's face. You got to be like, "I believe in the power" and stick it in there and then he will he'll begin to burn. You could even like burn his skin. Although vampires are able to change shape to escape injury. There are a number of things they are vulnerable to. Because they are no longer alive, the process of cellular regeneration no longer occurs. Hence, penetration wounds will not heal, nor will severed limbs grow back. So, if you uh if you get the chance, chop off a vampire's arm, chop off his head. They can't they can't do much about that. Let's take a quick Dracula commercial break and we shall be back in I don't know 45 seconds. Why, I'm calculating? Isn't it dark in there? Not for my new Anylight Solar Calculator from Texas Instruments. You have a Texas Instrument? Texas, Texas Instruments Anylight Calculator. Unlike other solar calculators, it works in almost any light. Ooh, Drenfield. The new line of Anylight Solar Calculators from Texas Instruments. Imagine the Prince of Darkness with a solar calculator. Yoke And we are back, we're back for the final segment here. We've, we've learned a lot about Dracula. We've learned what he can do, what he can't do, where he came from, how much he hates Turks. We've learned he has a brother named Rudy. Let's, let's hop onto eBay and we are going to see what, what the first appearance of Dracula in the Marvel Universe, a comic known as Tomb of Dracula number one. This came out, this came out in April of 1972. Let's, let's go to some of the souls. That gives you an idea of what, of what people are actually willing to pay. Here is, here is one that's sold. But it also includes number two and three as well. You get one, two, and three of Tomb of Dracula. That went for $61 with, with free shipping. It was an auction. There were 71 bids. That is, that is for all three. I cannot, oh, here's one. Somebody bought a very nice copy of Tomb of Dracula number one, which has... A cover by Neil Adams, the great Neil Adams, 65 bucks. This isn't like a hot-selling comic, because I'm strolling through here, and I'm just not, I'm not seeing a ton of solds. The one that you want is Tomb of Dracula number 10, which is the first appearance of a Blade. I love, I love Blade. the The Blade series is one of my favorite things Marvel movies has ever done. I realize they're not like... Marvel Studios, but when I say that, I mean like the, of all the, all the Marvel movies, like X Men, Avengers, just the the entire thing. The Blade series is one of my favorite. I think Blade Two is just a terrific movie. But the the appearance of Blade First is numero number ten. I said that I said that all out of order, and somebody somebody sold one here for two hundred bucks right now. If you wanted to, you could. You can hop on, and here's a buy it now for $59.99 if you wanted to get it. Here's an auction that's just uh, just started. A low, low opening bid of $4.99. I know that there has been a Marvel Legend of Dracula. That was fairly recent, as I recall. Let's let's see what you can, what you can own that for if you are so interested. Back in the day, there was a Marvel Legend set. This is... This is not the Marvel Legends that we know now. This is the old Marvel Legends. There was a box set of Marvel monsters. You can get Dracula, you can get Frankenstein, werewolf and the zombie. If you wanted to, you could pick that up. Still in the box on eBay for for one twenty. What? What year did that come out? I am not sure. Let's uh let's do a bit more research into that and we'll We'll find out. The set is. We are still kind of zipping around here. This was. This was back in the day. I really recall seeing this at a Toys R Us, and in retrospect, I wish that I would have would have bought it. I uh, I liked it a lot. And let's see race, date. That is. Da 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 da! I am boring you to death with this. I don't know why I'm still looking around. It's a good Marvel Legends site. I don't really have one myself. I wish, I wish I did, but I do not. MarvelLegends.net. I'm going to, I'm gonna poke around here and see if I can find out the info. Let's see, Drac, Dracula. Why did that? Why do they have a Google search on here? That's a bit goofy. Um Marvel Legends checklist. Marvel Legends checklist. Series one, series two. This this is a thrilling. Thrilling podcast stuff right now, isn't it? Hearing me flip through a Marvel Legends website, trying to find out the release year of the Marvel Legends monster gift pack, and we now know, May 2006, take that, I did eventually win, this is, this is a beautiful set, Two of Dracula, Frankenstein's ugly werewolf, and the living zombie is grotesque, I want to get this, but I don't want to spend the hundred that it's going to take, it appears there was there was also a mini mate of Dracula. It comes in a four set called Curse of the Mutants, and you get Blade, Vampire, Jubilee, Vampire Wolverine, and Dracula. There's also there's also a Hero Click. You can get that for ninety nine cents. the The mini mates, though, are they're gonna cost you like like thirty bucks. There was a sideshow exclusive polystone diorama of Blade and Dracula. That's kind of neat. Overall, I don't know, Dracula is not necessarily, like, a property that Marvel's focusing on. They use him, they have some uh, you know, they've had some success with these public domain-type characters, and they continue to, uh, you know, do so today. So, I guess that's about it. I mean, we've learned about Dracula, we've learned about comic Dracula, we've learned about a few toys based upon, based upon Marvel Dracula. So far, this has been the spookiest episode of the audio handbook of the Marvel Universe to Dayton that's something I take great pride in so for me for Dracula for Blade for Solomon Kane, for Abigail Whistler for everyone out there who loves and hates Dracula I'm signing off this is the audio handbook of the Marvel Universe gonna power down until next time make my Marvel This has been an Icy Robots radio production.